Hello. Thank you for inviting us into your space today. Uh, we've got a lot of things going on at Christ Community that we'd love for you to get involved with. So head on over to our website and check out our coming up page so you can see what different things are going on. Also, don't forget to like and subscribe so you can see whenever new content is available. We hope you enjoy the message. All right, so to get started, our passage today is 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. So if you are someone who has your Bibles, there's plenty of time uh, to turn to those passages. Um, I am uh, someone who... During the summer, um, on Saturdays, I get up super early and I pack up the truck to set up a booth at the Greeley Farmer's Market. I sell honey. And during that time, a lot of the people who come by the booth don't have a clue that I'm a pastor, and I think that's pretty great. Because during the time I'm at this booth selling honey, to the average person, I am just the guy selling honey. And people ask tons of things of me. So tell me the health benefits of honey. And I get to talk about the health benefits of honey. People will talk about, tell me what the, uh, the purpose of pollen is. How should I have a beehive? How should I keep bees? Are the bees actually dying? Like for four hours, I'm talking to people about honey, pollen, bees, the environment, um, farmers, crops, what have you. I'm selling honey. And so I'm talking to a lot of people. And, for ha- and, and on top of that, I have a speech impediment, so it's exhausting, right? Like I, there comes a point where I don't want to talk to you about my honey anymore, where you just buy it. And, and today, I come to this point that, 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 that I'm just I'm tired. It's our final, our final Saturday of the summer. And, and someone comes up and they ask a question. And it hasn't been a question I've ever been asked before. And I've been selling there for a long time. They said, what does your church do? What does your church do? And so from that point on, I'm like, Oh no, it's just not the honey guy. I'm being called out as a pastor. What does your church do? And how, how I think, I'm, um, I, I enjoy telling the truth, right? And, and how do you answer the question, what does your church do? Because our church does a lot of things. And, and like, so I think then all of a sudden this question was put out, what does your church do? And I thought, oh no, because in my head, time and space seemed to cease to exist because it was like, I started to think, oh boy, I started to think about all of the conversations that I've had of, of, uh, of, of, people who, who are in our church who have a desire to see God, but they don't, but they're banging on God's door. Ugh. I, I, so I think, ugh, I think about the, the people who have gotten sick and the prayers that have been had. I started to think about the Bible studies that are happening because people are hungry to be taught about Jesus and to grow. I think about our sermon series on the Gospel of John, and that was really fun. And then I started to think about the people who are in Africa today 
today and the people who are going to Peru tomorrow. I think about the alpha things. I think about the conversations and the coffee shops and Zoe's and don't forget the food truck and what we've done at Central. And man, I could just, it's September and everyone's talking about the single moms things that then alpha and seriously, what does your church do? And then I just think about the conversations that happen behind every sermon and the conversations that happen on the phone calls when people call our church at 2 a.m. and they're trying to talk to a pastor and there is someone who picks up the phone. Like, what does our church do? And so in this moment, it was like time and space ceased to exist. And the first thing I thought is, our church advances the kingdom of God, and we are doing a darn good job. And that's the thing I said. And this guy goes, huh, I didn't expect that answer. And he turned, and he went the other way. Our church advances the kingdom of God. And I thought about this idea of the advancement of the kingdom of God, because the idea of the advancement of the kingdom of God has been on the forefront because of this conversation that our church has been having in the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians has been really, really hard. 1 Corinthians has propelled us forward as a church. 1 Corinthians has brought up things that people don't typically talk about, but our church has been doing a really good job. And by our church, I don't talk about the people up here presenting. I'm talking about the people out here who are engaging it and chewing on it and asking the hard questions and owning it. And our hearts are being transformed, and it is incredible. I feel transformed by it. And that's why I say I feel like our church our family is advancing the kingdom of God. There's this offensive posture that I feel like 1 Corinthians has put us in. And by offensive, I'm talking about offensive. It is football season, and I'm going to be talking about offense and defense tonight. So if there are people here who absolutely hate football and hate how, how pastors are during sermon, talk about sports things? I do too, but I'm sorry. This is the best I got. So the Apostle Paul is one of the first people in, in biblical history to present this idea of offensive theology. Because before Paul, it was the opposite. It was a defensive th theology. Paul had been of a Jewish theology. And at the center of Judaism is the temple. And the temple is something that the Jews protected at all costs. And the theology of the temple inside the temple protected at all costs. There is a wall around the temple, who's in, who's out, how you get to the temple. There are a lot of things that are all about protecting the temple because if the temple falls, everything falls. Judaism is an offense or a defensive theology up until the time of Paul. It was, you fight to protect God. You fight to protect the Torah. You fight to defend the temple. 
Paul has this theology, as you all have been seeing in 1 Corinthians, that doesn't talk about defending anything. It doesn't talk about protecting anything. In fact, it's more of the opposite. God doesn't have to have you fight for him. He can fight for himself. God doesn't have to have you defend him. He can defend himself. It's like God has this thing of his, his heart is to play offense. He doesn't want us to play defense. He wants to advance the kingdom. He doesn't want to defend his. The idea simply of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus came in human form to the earth, is an offensive posture. He's coming into our territory, right? He's bringing peace, love, hope, and joy. The Advent theology of Jesus Christ is offensive. He's moving the ball down the field. He isn't defending the kingdom of heaven saying, there's earth down there and there's a lot of sinners down there. I hope they don't come here, right? That's defense. He's not defending heaven. He's bringing heaven to earth, crashing it into this, advancing his kingdom forward. That's the posture that you are seeing in 1 Corinthians and Paul. In fact, he talks about you are the temple. There's this temple theology that Paul is bringing from this defensive theology of the Hebrew people. And then he's saying, you are the temple. You go forward. You move. And then he's bringing the bar up high. Here's what it means to be the temple. This is the place he brings us. Okay. This is the intro. What does our church do? It advances the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because that's what we do. That's simple, but today's whole concept is based on that. So if you turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 through 27, this passage is quoted on the shirts of every like spiritual football team ever. Okay, this is a very common passage for coaches who are trying to inspire their football teams, basketball teams, cross-country teams. Here it is. Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as you get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it a slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified from the prize. All right. So this is our passage for today. We are running a race. And he draws this, this vocabulary of competition. He brings in a vocabulary of self 
discipline. He brings in a theme of perseverance. And at the, the end, he says, I will win. All right? So that's awesome on a shirt. And that seems great to put on a poster somewhere to inspire us. But in the book of 1 Corinthians, it doesn't fit. It just doesn't fit. Think about everything that you have been taught up until this point, chapter, chapter after chapter after chapter after chapter. Paul has a baseball bat beating it on the ground. You know, it's like, holy moly, like, what is he saying? What is he doing? You know, and the things he's calling out, it's hard. Some of these chapters have impacted each person in a different context, in a different capacity, and have called us to be different people. It's been really hard. And then you come to this passage that says, here we go. <laughs> and he's like trying to inspire us. And I think that if I, if I understand Paul and if I see what he's doing, I think like the thing he's doing in this passage 24 through 27 is kind of like a half time. It's, it's like half time because Paul has done the first two quarters of his book and he has his team and he has his family and he understands the thing he's doing because he is trying to move the ball down the field. He's playing offense. He's talking about family. He's talking about sexuality. He's talking about divorce. He's talking about finances. He's talking about everything other people don't talk about. And he says, I'm talking to you because I care about you. He's talking about the hard things. And then he hits the pause. 24 through 27. He can almost feel the people seeing him and going, man, this is really rough. I'm exhausted. I played football and halftime was really important because halftime, even if you're ahead, you're really tired. And I had a football coach who had the best halftime, halftime sermons. They weren't sermons, but, but man, he inspired the human soul. And the thing that Paul is doing is he is giving a halftime sermon, especially for a people that's hearing the things that he is saying and going, man, this is hard. I don't know if I can keep showing up. In the idea that even Paul is saying this thing, it presents the idea that Paul thinks the things that he is saying are hard, that they're difficult to hear. And there's something really cool about that. There's something cool to think that Paul thinks that the things that he is saying is hard because from the human perspective and the human soul, that there's this idea that, that it should be easy to follow God. It should be easy to be as holy as he is holy. It should be easy to pursue holiness. But what Paul is doing is he's bringing this bar up high and saying, holiness is a really difficult, hard thing. It isn't down here in the basic human people don't sin. 
The people who don't sin are up here. It's hard to not do hard things. Do you know what I mean? And so like by 24 and 27, Paul is saying, wait, wait, wait. We are in a race. Here it is again. Do you not know that in a race, all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. So he's drawing this comparison. If there is a race, everyone in it runs. Comparing that to daily life, everyone in it is breathing. All of us are participating in it. We are all in this thing together. However, run as if you are going after a prize. Don't just exist. Don't just breathe. Pointing back to everything that he has said earlier, our goal is not just to get through it. Our goal isn't just to get to the end and be old, and then that's it. Our goal is to be and engage each day as if there is purpose and there is a prize. So if I'm asked, what does your church do? There's something about this passage that shows up in the heartbeat of that. Do you not know that everyone who is running a race is in it? That's obvious. But only a single person is going to get the prize. Run as if you are going to get the prize. There's a competitive vocabulary here that Paul is introducing. As if he's saying, I'm saying all these things because I don't want you to be everybody else. I don't want you to do the easy thing. I don't want you to just exist. I don't want you to be down here. I'm bringing the bar up. We will win. The passage continues on. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to a crown uh, to get a crown that will last forever. All right, just a bit of context. Um, Corinth, the city of Corinth hosts the Corinthian games every two years. Uh, The Corinthian games, they bring in people from, from all over. They do it every two years because the Olympics is every four years. Even back then, the Olympics actually began in 786 BC. So just painting this picture. Um, And so then the Corinthian games happened every two years. The Corinthian games hadn't just been for the best of the best for the best. The Corinthian games actually happened for everyone. Everyone who's anybody who has a heartbeat is going to compete somehow in the the Corinthian games. Why did the people of Corinth find it important to have the Corinthian games? It gave the average citizen, the average person to be able to do something beyond their common identity of who they are. Their common identity as Farmer, their common identity as potter, the common identity of plumber or soldier or politician. 
politician or husband or wife or teacher or they all of a sudden are uh, the boxer, the javelin thrower, the, uh, the guy who does the 200, 400. You see what I'm saying? They all of a sudden have a different identity be- beyond the thing that they do and their function. And it created a sense of joy for them to be able to participate in bettering themselves. They did it every two years so that they could improve for the every four. They saw a joy in the training that they would participate in because it gave them a higher sense of purpose. The people of Corinth took great pride in the Corinthian games because they actually could improve themselves for the Corinthian games and then the games that happened every four years. Why is this important? It's important because this idea that they took joy in training, they took joy in in the bettering of themselves, they took joy in the competition to the point that Paul is circling this. Anyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. This is not a harsh thing that he's saying. He almost is like speaking this vocabulary of, we love it here. It is fun to train. It is, there brings solidarity to do something besides farming. It brings solidarity to do something besides being a potter. It brings solidarity and joy to improve as a human being and see the successes that you are going for. There's a bunch of us here who find solidarity in doing hard things as a group of people. In fact, um, uh, so I have a son, he's here, and um, he, he, he hated to read. Like, he hated it. And he's like, tell me the thing I should do to get better at Reading. And so he invited his group of friends to create a club together that they held each other accountable to be in a book and that they could go forward. And the two of them are high-fiving right now. Um, so um, that happened. There are, there are couples here that have begun a diet together. And, and they've begun a diet and they dropped pounds. The diets are horrible, they say, but it's brought them together as a couple, and they've actually been enjoying dieting because the pain has brought them solidarity and closer together. Anyone who's played on a sports team, (laughs) anyone who's played on a sports team and has overcome hard things as a team, you, you totally understand the solidarity it brings. Anyone who's accomplished anything that you felt that was bigger than you are, but you did it. Understand the value of struggle and training. And Paul is circling this for the people of Corinth who take great pride and joy in training. And then he says, this is what I'm trying to say to you. It's halftime. Right? So he, he, he brings us all the way through the first half of the book of Corinthians, and then he hits the pause and he says, 
we are doing this because the bar is high. Our goal isn't just to exist and get to the end and go to heaven. Our goal is to advance the kingdom of God. Our goal is to crash heaven into earth and to celebrate it. And because of that, there are things to be done. Then he compares it to to Corinth, and he's speaking their vocabulary. Everyone who competes, they are training. And it's, it's this idea of every hard thing that you encounter. I mean, like, sometimes even showing up to church is hard, especially if it's awesome out. Um, sometimes showing up to be there for someone who's calling you at 2 a.m. is hard. Sometimes engaging the culture that you're in is hard. Sometimes challenging yourself is hard. But there is a training that is happening so that the advancement of the kingdom of heaven goes forward and you get to participate that participate in that as the body of Christ. The, so the passage doesn't end here. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave. This is the point of the passage. All of this. What are we doing? It's like that guy who asked me, what does your church do? And you ask yourself, what am I doing if I am the church? And then Paul has this passage, I do not run aimlessly. I have a goal. I do not, I do not box like a boxer beating the air. Can you picture that? Like Paul is comparing himself to a boxer in a tight boxing gloves. And he says, I am not a boxer beating the air. What is a boxer beating the air? It's there's the opponent. And every time he throws a punch, the opponent is getting out of the direction of the punch. And it is exhausting. If you are throwing punches that do not hit your opponent, it is exhausting. And at the end of the day, if that's the habit that you have, eventually your opponent is going to punch you in the face and it's over. And Paul says, I am not a boxer who beats the air. No, I punch blows to my own body. What does this mean? Because this is the whole point. If you are in a race, who are you racing against? If you are in a fight, who are you fighting against? If you are in a competition, who are you competing against? Paul says, me. I punch blows to my own body. I am the opponent. I am the competition. It's me. It's me. There's this idea of your true self and your false self. 
there's this idea of sin, and there's this idea of holiness. There's this idea of who you are. And then there's this idea of who you are. And there's this idea of you. And then there's this idea of child of God. And that there's this idea and this umbrella of your false self and this idea of your true self. And Paul seems to always be drawing this this idea of a constant battle between who he thought he was and who he actually is. This thing that defined him, but who he actually is defined. This appearance of who he is, but who he actually is. This battle between striking blows to your own body, this vocabulary of self-discipline, especially in the context of 1 Corinthians, when all of these things that he is saying seems to counteract the human heart. Why? Because our goal is not to have a human heart. Our goal is to have the heart of God. And the Bible should be like blows to the heart, the heart of flesh, the human heart, and it should hurt, and it should be painful to the point that you have to have the halftime sermon that says, whoa, wait, it's hard, I see you. We are doing this so that the bar is high and the kingdom of God can advance, so if people ask you, what do you do? There's a voice and it says, we advance the kingdom of God and we are winning, Right? Like there's, there's something here of I do not just do things to punch the air to say I'm a part of the ch- church. But our goal should be we are. We are growing. We are forming. We are shaping. We are accountable. We are engaging the hard passages. We are the church of Jesus Christ and the church and the body and Jesus himself was crucified and Paul preaches Christ crucified and that is a boxer who puts blows on his own body for the salvation of all humankind what are we doing we are advancing the kingdom of heaven then Paul ends here here it is. This is it. I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. I love that because it's confident, it is kind, and it's going forward. You can almost see the head football coach of his football team saying, it's time to go back out there. We are going forward. We're going to get the job done. I am going to get the job done. Who else is going to follow me? That's what's happening here. I myself will win. (laughs) Anytime that there is confidence in the gospel, it inspires me a lot. Anytime that hope, joy, peace and love are preached, it inspires me a lot. In this passage, you find all of them. 
because Advent, peace, love, hope, and joy, I will preach in every sermon because that is the offensive posture of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus is here and he is transforming and he invites us to participate in the things that he is doing. It is a profound thing to be asked, what does your church do? Because I'm sure there's tons of people who have tons of singular answers. But to be able to be in confidence and say, our church is advancing the kingdom of heaven and doing a pretty darn good job is an honor. And it's an honor to be a part of this family. It's an honor to be a part of the things you're doing. I'm inspired by you daily. Thank you for being accountable. Thank you for engaging the hard things. Thank you for holding the Bible up. Thank you for engaging the Holy Spirit and letting the Holy Spirit engage you. I am excited to be a part of the offensive kingdom of Christ's community church and embracing the body of Jesus together. So if you are tired, if you have been engaging a lot of hard things, if you feel beat up, if you feel like the book of 1 Corinthians has been a hard first couple quarters, it has. You've been playing the game how it's supposed to be played. It's been impacting you. It's been challenging your heart. It's been doing the things it's been supposed to do. Thank you. We have a lot ahead of us. And it's an honor to go forward because this church is going places and engaging the truth of Jesus because people are dying to see the game played how it was always supposed to be played. Lord, thank you for our church. Thank you for the bigger church. Thank you for the eternal church. Thank you for involving us in that. Thank you that there is a calling, that there is a purpose, that there is a higher bar. Thank you for the encouragement. Thank you for the vision you give. Thank you for inviting us into hard things with big value. Thank you for fighting for our hearts. God, thank you for seeing us and thank you for seeing our friends and our families and all the pains and struggles that are so hard. Thank you. Thank you that your eyes don't pass us by. Thank you that you value the broken, that you value the hurting, that you honor the black and the blue and that you see the bruises and broken arms and concussions. Thank you that you speak healing. Thank you that you bring peace. Thank you that you love us and joy in the pain, in the suffering, in the blows to the body. Thank you for calling us out and who we are. Thank you for seeing beyond our false selves and calling out our true selves. God, we thank you 
God, call us forward. If our hearts have been hard, if our hearts are tired and broken, breathe into them. Cause them to beat again. If our eyes are glazed over and have not been able to see, bring clarity. Show us the things that should be seen again. Teach us. If our ears are blocked and cannot hear anything, open our ears so that you can be heard again. God, sing the songs of the kingdom. Sing the anthems that cause our hearts to come alive. Bring the drum beats of Eden and the calling of home to get us up out of our slumber. Call us out of apathy into purpose and dreams again. God, invite us into the places you are going and victory is imminent. Well, friends, thank you so much for being here with us. Uh, I, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I hear a message like this, there's some things stirring in my heart and I'm like, man, like, what, what do I do with this? And sometimes one of the best steps that you could take is just having a conversation with somebody. Uh, and so we wanted to let you know that if you head over to our website, which is cccgreeley.org, uh, there's a little button there at the bottom that says chat with us. Uh, if you click on that button, literally within minutes, somebody is gonna be reaching back out to you. And, and so if there's something on your heart that you need to talk about, like we would just love to be able to journey with you. One of our pastors would love to talk with you. Um, but, but friends, thank you for being here. Uh, we hope you have a great week.